So my primary role is to find ways to do that, very similar to you and your business where we're reaching out to folks, we're building relationships. Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you that Blue Spruce Capital is lending on one to four unit fix and flips in multiple states. Contact Blue Spruce Capital by going to the show notes. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and guys, you're in for a treat. Guess who we have on the show? We've got John Kasman. John, how are you today? I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me on. John, you're always doing great and glad to have you. If you want to reach out to John, he does have a podcast, Target Market Insights Podcast, uh, which I was recently featured on, and that was a great episode. John, you ask good questions. I, I need to take a page out of your book uh, because you pulled a lot of good value out of, out of somebody who hardly does anything. Good job. <laughs> With that said, um, if you guys want to go to Target Market Insights, I encourage you to do that. You can find, find it at Target Market Insights. Dot com. Also, John, if you want to reach out to him directly, here's his email. It's also in the show notes, john at kasmancapital.com. So that's in the show notes. Just scroll down and you'll be able to find it. His company is the Kasman Capital Group, and he's a general partner on currently, as we record today, 240 doors, impressive, and closing another 308. Just before this even comes out, he's already, he's already got 500 plus doors. What is that like 600 actually? Jeez. I don't know. John, it's a you're lot. Moving, you're moving <laughs> taken. I love it. So we're going to learn a lot from you and the things that you've done. I'm excited to go into that. One of the things that I wanted to touch on is how good you are at relationships, building relationships and managing people. Another thing that I definitely wanted to touch on is your annual conference that you put on. Yeah. Uh, tell What's the name of that? The West uh, or yeah. what's it called? It's the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. All right. Tell us a little bit about the last one you had. Yeah. So we had that back in June or actually in May. Great event. We had about 250 investors all from all over the country, really. We were really focused more on the Midwest. We had a lot of people come from all over the country. And it was really a great time to come and learn about real estate, especially if you were looking to scale your business. We had great speakers from George Newberry to... Jay Martin, Joe Fearless. Um, we had a really just a great group of speakers to share their knowledge and expertise. And it was a no pitch environment. That was really the big thing. There was no upsell. There was no mastery program. There was nothing that we had for sale. It was really about networking and education. And when you go to those conferences, I mean, you know, like when you go at them, part of it is you pick up a couple of nuggets, things that can help you in your business, help you as an investor, maybe something you haven't thought about, maybe something you forgot. But the real joy and the real value comes from meeting and talking to other investors, talking to people, building relationships, forming partnerships. And that's really what the conference is all about. Awesome. Thank you for going over that. I'm, I'm excited to go to the next one. Excellent. I really wanted to go to this one. John, I was trying to go out there. You we're going to get you out for this next one. Okay, let's do it. All, all right. right. So, John, think back whenever it was one year, two years, 10 years ago, you were deciding to get into real estate at all. The, just the day that you were saying, you know what, real estate might be a good avenue. Tell us a little bit about what got you involved um, and what you were thinking back then. 
Yeah. So I had been interested in real estate for a long time. Um, I ended up, you know, coming out of college, got an internship in marketing and I was reading like many of your, your listeners and your viewers, you know, the, the little purple book, rich dad, poor dad was one that caught my attention. And I knew that if I really wanted to own my life and kind of create the lifestyle of my dreams, I needed to find ways to make passive income. But I started in marketing and I worked at General Motors in Detroit. Um, and I thought I was going to start my real estate investing career at that time, but little did I know that it was really the beginning of the economic downturn. So I went through that period and I really didn't feel comfortable investing in Detroit at that time, which in hindsight was probably one of the worst decisions I could have made or maybe just missed out on a huge boom. But it's hard to, it's hard to be optimistic when you have a lot of stuff bad going around you, right? So ultimately, I ended up moving to Chicago and thought that would be a great market to start investing. We bought a duplex and in my head, um, I felt like I really needed to understand more about, you know, the numbers and how to manage tenants and just all the things that go into managing property. Um, but the thing that really, you know, put a foot on my butt and made me go and pull the trigger is I was renting and I wanted to house hack. So this was kind of a perfect strategy to get going because I could go in, buy a duplex, live in one unit, rent out the other. And I had to live somewhere either way. So it was either going to go and find another apartment to rent or I can buy this duplex or four two to four unit property, live in one unit, kind of use that as the, the entryway to start my investing career. Okay, so tell us a little bit more. Of, so you said my first thing is going to be to house hack and I'm going to do a two or a four unit. So tell us about your very, very first investment. Yeah, so I did a lot of research on where to buy. Um, again, this is coming out of 2010, 2011. So the economy at that point was still recovering. And I spent a lot of time researching neighborhoods. And I found one neighborhood in Chicago that did not lose any value from 2008 to 2009 to 2010. It was steady. It was, and because it was so steady, I knew that there was something there that we could feel comfortable investing in. It had great school districts. So we ended up looking in that neighborhood pretty much exclusively. So we looked in that neighborhood. We found the two unit that we liked and we missed out on a bunch of other properties. But after missing on about three or four, we saw the numbers, we loved the area and we figured we would buy. And I wasn't as concerned with making a strong ROI or delivering any kind of metrics that we look at now in our business, but really looking at, I need a place to live. I need a place where I'm going to enjoy living there. And guess what? It's going to be a place where it's going to be fairly easy to screen neighbors or I, I say neighbors, but they're tenants, right? But because I live in the building, I have to treat them like neighbors as well. So because of that, I'm looking at, I'm going to cherry pick and find the best neighbors that I can in our business. So that kind of helped everything and make it, make it a little bit easier. How did you fund that deal? Uh, we uh, qualify for FHA financing. We were able to put as little as three and a half percent down. And back at that time, um, again, it was still a buyer's market. So we were able to get some credits from the seller. So we ended up only coming out of pocket, maybe six or $7,000 for a property that cost 360,000. Wow. And so in Chicago, is this an A-class area? This is an A-class neighborhood. And how about the property itself? What year was it built? So Chicago has a lot of older housing stock, right? So this was built in like 19, the 1920s. So this was a, a much older building brick with kind of a graystone front facade. So it was an older building. So we had to go in there and update some things. We invested about 50K into the interior units to make some upgrades. Um, and then we've refinanced about two years later, which 
again, was not a part of the business plan, but we realized that we had made a lot of equity and created a lot of equity. And when we refinanced, we were you know, basically created about $150,000 worth of equity. So we're able to pull out our, not only our initial investment, because that was only 7K, but we were able to create a lot of additional funds. And that really sparked not just the idea, but that was the proof in the pudding that, you know what, this strategy of going and buying a property, creating your own value, and then refinancing, that's an amazing strategy to build wealth in this, in this country. Wow. Thank you. I'm really glad we went over that. Let me ask you about the 50K that you put into the property. It sounds like you put the 50K in before you did the refi. Is that accurate? That's correct. Okay. Where did you get the $50,000? So we had it. We were saving money. So that whole time we were renting, we were saving money, anticipating buying a property. And I had never heard of FHA financing. I assumed you had to put 20% down. So when we were looking for properties, we were just saving money and saving money and renting. And, you know, finally we started talking to um, a, a real estate agent and they informed us that we had the ability to use different financing. So when we realized that and learned more about it, we're like, okay, well we can just use, you know, our cash to get into the property and then use our money to actually do the, the, the renovations. Now, again, going back there where interest rates were, we probably could have financed the renovations, but I felt more comfortable just having the cash and using that cash to do the renovations at that time. Great. I'm really glad we got into that, that we learned a lot. That was, that's a creative way to get into a property house hacking with an FHA loan, 7k. I think you said around 7k is all it took you to get in, right? That's right. Okay, and then 50 more K, you created $150,000 of equity. And then when you refinanced, how much did you pull out? Uh, so we got a line of credit for $100,000. Wow, okay, so you're in it with uh, $57,000 and you got back out $100,000. So you almost doubled your liquidity. That's right. That's pretty dang cool. All right, glad we went through that. So um, another thing that you're, you, you say your superpower is relationships and and. I think I almost feel like your superpower is marketing. I feel yeah. like you're really, really good. <laughs> but the, some of the people that are good with relationships understand what it takes to market well. Um, so let's go in and just tell us a little bit about, just start with marketing and tell us what is it that you're doing in your business that's impacting the success of your syndication company? Yeah, I mean, it, you're absolutely right. It is marketing, but I take it a little step further, right? Because it's I'm not the creative guy who's coming up with the logo designs or those things. It's really about understanding what needs to happen and finding ways to connect with people. So my primary role is to find ways to do that. Very similar to you and your business where we're reaching out to folks, we're building relationships. We host a weekly podcast, we host a monthly meetup, and we host the annual conference. So we're constantly trying to connect with other folks, understand what they're doing in their business, understand what their goals are, their objectives are. And if we can help, we try to help. Um, if they, if for whatever reason, if, if we align interest and they're interested in investing in some of the passive investment opportunities that we have, then that works out great too. But I really focus more on kind of creating the, the streams, right? So we talk about funnels. Um, when we do the podcast, one great thing about a podcast is it gives you the opportunity to talk to a lot of people at one time. So, you know, because it's hard to pick up the phone call and call everybody or email every single person individually, the podcast allows us to connect with folks, stay top of mind, give them information and create value in a different way than maybe we would do on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So it allows us to kind of scale some of those conversations. And I look at marketing in that way. It's really more about scaling communications. If I create a TV ad, that's just a way for me to talk to millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people at one time with a clear message. It's the same thing if I were to do a direct mail campaign. So to me, these are all communications, but it's still about building a relationship at the end of the day. 
you uh, had Joe Fairless at your last event. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a quick question because something that you said reminds me of some things that he says a lot. Um, and that's with, uh, you, you mentioned it like this, weekly podcast, monthly meetup, annual conference. Uh, one of the things that he talks about is he does one thing daily, one thing weekly, one thing monthly, and one thing annually. Um, so did you get any of this? Uh, did you bounce ideas off of each other or are you just coming up with this on your own? Is he a mentor of yours? Where are you? Yeah, yeah Joe, Joe's absolutely a mentor. And he, I mean, whether you are, you know, uh, looking to become a syndicator or just interested in investing, I mean, Joe's out there crushing it, right? I and mean, he's got his daily podcast, which I think is already crazy by itself, but he's a guy who's crushing this business, you know, and I met Joe when he had around $7 million in real estate. He's up to $400 million and growing. So I've been pretty much in admiration of the, the way he's been able to grow his business. And, you know, we talk about Tony Robbins and different people and success leaves clues. And if you look at someone like Joe and what he's been able to, what he's been able to execute, you can start to emulate some of that success. So I've certainly have borrowed and <laughs> unapologetically borrowed. I'm going to say borrow, not steal, but I've borrowed concepts that he's been able to implement and have success with. And I look at a lot of different investors, not just Joe, but you know, you and I spoke, we talked about the podcast episode we did where you mentioned how you're able to stay in front of people so frequently. Um, I just watched a video you did yes this morning uh, <laughs> on, on Facebook, right? So you're always in my feed, giving great advice, telling people what to do in different situations. So I like to borrow from other people. So I don't necessarily think I'm a great marketer, but it's not because I just was born great or anything like that. I just can look at stuff that's working and say, damn, that guy's got something really, really impressive going right there. How can I put that into my portfolio or to my arsenal so I can leverage that going forward as well? Great stuff. Okay. So with relationships, uh, what are the three tips and tricks? And I know this is totally on the spot, but let's see if you can come up with three. If you can come up with two, that's okay. What are the three tips and tricks that you have for a newer investor who wants to get to where you are while big through building relationships? Yeah. So um, if you're starting out and you want to get to the point where you are syndicating deals or, you know, buying and acquiring large apartment complexes, um, one thing you have to do is educate yourself. And the great thing when it comes to relationships is one great way to educate yourself is by talking to someone who's already done it. Right. So reach out to the folks that you hear, whether that's me, whether that is Adam, whether that's a Joe Fairless. There are so many people out there who are crushing it right now in the apartment syndication game reach out, start building a relationship and ask those questions, see how you can add value to them. That's a great way to do it. But you have to add value. If you're going to reach out to one of these guys, you need to have something that you can provide to the table and add value, right? But ask questions, don't just give, add value. So I would say that's one way to start educating yourself. The second thing is start cultivating your own network. How do you start to bring people together? Um, you may not have the knowledge and expertise just yet, but one great way you can do that is to start cultivating it. You know, I wasn't necessarily the... Um, I didn't have a portfolio that warranted starting my own conference necessarily, right? Um, but I had the relationships and I have people I know. And at the end of the day, I'm really big on education, educating myself, educating my investors, and educating others who are looking to emulate the same success. So by creating platforms where those conversations can take place, where they can come together, where we can share knowledge, that's a great way of doing that. And then the third thing that I would say, because you are putting me on the spot and I didn't really have three, so I'm <laughs> stalling. Uh, but the third thing that I would say is follow up you know, find a way to stand out. So if, you know, I have people come up to me all the time or people email me and they'll just say, Hey, you know, um, I'd be interested in raising money for your next deal, or I'd want to be a GP on a deal, or, you know, I'm interested in, you know, doing something. 
a lot of people say that if you really want to stand out, take the next step. Take and that's next step could be whatever, right? Think about it from a marketing standpoint. Think about it as this was almost a job interview, and you're you're in a sea of candidates. You have a resume that's out there in the sea of resumes. What can you do to stand out? Follow up. You can give something specific. You can leave a review. You know, if you want to help somebody, as simple as a podcaster, leave them a review. That's a very simple, easy thing that costs you no money. That doesn't take a lot of time. Leave a review of the podcast and reach out. Hey. Left your review, a review of your podcast. Um, great stuff. Keep up the good work. That stands out. I remember everybody who has left a review and sent me a note saying, hey, I left a review. I thank them. That's something that's important, right? It's a little small gestures here and there. But be thoughtful at the end of the day. What you want to do is you want to stand out. You want to be thoughtful. You want to create value. That's a great way to stand out and start to take that next step to becoming someone that people trust, that people want to work with, and that people ultimately want to invest with. This is going great. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. As a fix and flipper, you need to save money wherever you can to make sure you stay under budget. Well, something I haven't mentioned enough is that I have a company that can fund your fix and flips for a lot less than your current hard money lender. Find out more by looking in today's show notes. And we're back. All right. So that was valuable. You're talking about reaching out and adding value. I need to stress that though the add value part. Cause a lot of people reach out when they're trying to build these relationships, they'll reach out, but they don't have anything to add the value. So what that brings us into your number two, which I really, really liked is this is really the way I believe John, that you're adding the value because you're cultivating, cultivating your own network and allowing other people to kind of see what you're doing. Right. And by doing that, you said you create platforms. That's the most important part. So this is a meetup group. This is a, a yearly annual conference. This is a, a podcast like this. So it's very easy for you to, to add value to somebody. Hey, what you're doing is, is really big. I like what you're doing. I want to bring that to my audience. They, they get the warm and fuzzy feeling and they say, yes, I want to be on your podcast. And, and now you feel like you're on the same level with each other. That famous person and, and you are on the same level and that benefits them. And so when you're reaching out to them, you can ask them questions. You, I'm sitting here picking your brain, John, on my podcast, and you don't even know it. Actually, you probably do know it because you <laughs> are a podcaster. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So when you're, we're talking about building relationships, these are three awesome, tricky ways to do it. And I, and I love that you brought them all out. Reach out to people. Add some value. Cultivate your own network of people. Create some platforms to allow yourself to do this. And then number three is follow up, follow up, follow up lot of good info. What do we want to talk about next? Managing people. So give, give me just two tricks and why are you better at managing people than 99% of the other people out there? Well, I have a, a very patient mentality because uh, I grew up where I had a lot of people barking at me all the time for a lot of different reasons, whether that's my coach, whether that's, you know, parents. And um, I've learned to figure out what's really driving those conversations and what they're looking for. Um, I deal with client management all the time. So in marketing, my background was primarily working with clients, understanding what their business needs were, what their objectives were, what success looks like. And what you find is it's very rarely the stuff they tell you. You get a client brief and they're asking you to do X, Y, Z. That's usually not what they're going to be judged off of. What they really care about is their job keeping their job, maybe getting promoted. Um, and those are the kind of things that really drive them. So as I unravel what's really driving what they're telling me and matching that up with what their real goals are, 
I have to think through and say, okay, if you really want X, Y, Z, but you're only telling me ABC, I've got to now pull everything together and deliver something that's going to spark. Because what happens is otherwise you run into situations where you present a solution, but it doesn't work. And let's bring it back to real estate. So you and I both bring investors into our deals. We talk to investors all the time. We'll say, hey, I'd be interested in investing in a deal. You know, I've got some money. And then you go take them a deal and they say, oh, it doesn't fit. Right. So the thing is, somewhere in that conversation, we missed what they were looking for, whether they were looking for more cash flow, whether they were looking to truly be passive. Maybe they were looking for for something that um, was more educational, where they would be more active. And maybe they weren't really clear that, hey, I want to learn throughout this process. I don't want to just give money. Right. So part of what it is, is really understanding what success looks like for that person. Sure, we all want the returns. But usually it's not about the money. It's about what the money can provide or the education or the freedom. I know other syndicators who, you know, just spent the last month in Hawaii, right? And chilling out in Hawaii and they're raising capital. And for them, it was more about the lifestyle design and creating a lifestyle where they were location independent or they were, you know, nomads and they could kind of be wherever they want to be. So I think it really helps to understand what really is driving someone. That way you can frame up the solutions or you can even be more, more discerning yourself and say, is this going to help that person get there or not? So now you realize that every opportunity is not going to fit for somebody and you can be a little bit better and use a little bit more judgment in what ideas and opportunities you present. Okay. So I'm going to try to touch on everything that you said. There was a lot of good info. You like to work with clients. And the thing that I think that you're the best at when you're working with clients is I can tell that you are very intuitive and you're great at listening. So you're understanding what their needs are, what really drives them. So that's your, your goal is to really find out what really drives them. What are their goals? Um, is it lifestyle? Is it being passive? Is it learning and growing, getting into the business? You're playing to the player in everything that you're doing. And you wouldn't be able to do that unless you were actually listening. And I think that that's something that a lot of people fail at. They have their own wants and needs, their own desires, they might care about lifestyle and then they project it onto others. But if you're projecting lifestyle onto somebody and all they want to learn is to learn and grow, you're going to have a disconnect. So really a lot of good info. Is there anything else that you have as far as like managing people that you wanted to share with us? I mean, I think the other thing is just following up, you know, is uh, and, and we all get busy at time, but I think it's really important to follow up. And even if you don't have an answer, you know, I think sometimes people go, go ghost or go silent and that's really a bad position to be in. So try to follow up as much as you can, even if they, you don't have good news, let people know what's going on. Just be honest and upfront. I think that's the biggest thing you can do. Perfect. I love it. So let's get into the final five, but right after these messages. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups, and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word MEETUP to 555-888. Text MEETUP to 555-888. And we're back. Question number one, John, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? So I'm working on one right now that's pretty creative where I had an investor reach out to me. He already owns the property, bought it cash, and he is looking to partner on the deal. So it's not in an area that I particularly like. So I wasn't interested in partnering, 
but I know people who do invest in that area. So essentially they want me to stay on as an equity partner. So this is a deal where I'm pretty much connecting these two guys, but I'm going to stay on as an equity partner. So I think that's a pretty creative deal. Okay. So I have a question. The, the person who bought this property out cash before he decided that he wanted to partner with you, what do you think was going through his mind? Because that is a step that I don't think I see very many people doing. Yeah. So it's a 24 unit property. I think that he thought he could manage it, you know, turn everything, do it all himself, but he lives in Arizona. So properties here in Chicago, he lives in Arizona. And I think that he realized, you know what, I need to either hire someone to do this, but he ran into issues with the city and just some challenges. So he realizes he now needs help, um, but he's still reluctant to sell the, the asset. Um, so yeah, he just ran into it. And I think his business plan just wasn't really thought out. He got busy and now he realizes he kind of needs to go in a different direction. Love it. And my favorite part about this is that you found your way to not be the person who bought it, to not be the person who's doing anything. Well, you're doing something, but I didn't mean to say it like that. No, what, what you're doing accurate. is you, you become the connector. And I just, I think that's phenomenal. So thank you for sharing that. And I hope that, you know, anyone listening will be able to say, Hey, how could I become the connector? How could I, I could maybe find Adam. Adam says he needs a deal. This other guy says he wants to invest in, in multifamily. So why don't I just put them together? And yeah, it's perfect. And Adam, to your point, we talked earlier about adding value, right? The person I put him in touch with is a guy who comes to my meetup very frequently. So, I mean, that's the value is when you have these relationships. It's not just about giving, 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 or even taking, taking, taking. But, you know, if you're in my Rolodex and something pops up, now I know who to call when those kind of opportunities present themselves. Perfect. What is a book that you recommend? All right. So, um... I love The Power of Focus. That's probably my favorite book. I read it every year. Um, another book, though, is uh, um, what's the Chris Voss book? Uh, Negotiate. Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference. There you go. So that's another great book, too. I love both of those right now. Perfect. Uh, where were you five years ago? So when we're recording, it's almost October of 18. Where were you five years ago? So around five years ago, we had bought our duplex, we were settled in, we were doing well. I think we had just refinanced or we were getting ready to refinance. And I found out recently that my wife was pregnant with our first child. So five years ago was a really great time. Awesome. Where will you be five years from today? So that takes us to 2023. That's a great question. Um, more than likely, I will be living in Cincinnati. Um, my wife is from there. Her family is all there. So we'll probably be in Cincinnati much sooner than five years. Um, and we expect to have a portfolio that, you know, affords us the lifestyle that we want. So I haven't put like hard numbers to it, but we've talked a lot about the kind of income we need and to cover certain expenses. But um, we just want to continue to help people and continue to grow our portfolio. As you become so successful in everything you do, how do you give back? So a couple of things, but the biggest one is uh, I'm on the board for an organization called Search for Water. We just had our annual gala, like, yeah, last weekend. So amazing event. We raised $83,000 of donated, of donated money um, that is all going directly into the field to help people get clean drinking water and safe sanitation solutions. So I love being a part of that organization and love helping that. All right, John, you've been so forthright with all your knowledge on building relationships, helping other people to be able to manage other folks, thinking about the psychology of what makes that successful. And I really, really appreciate it. And I, I would recommend that people take a page out of your book. You said earlier, success, it leaves clues, right? Leaves it's, clues, yes. So success leaves clues. So this is a clue 
for anyone listening who wants to have the same 600 plus doors that John will have in just a couple weeks from the recording date. Um, and some of those things are to actually listen when you're talking to somebody to listen to what their needs are, to be the connector, to help them to get to their goals. You can reach John Kasman, the famous Kasman Capital Group at targetmarketinsights.com or reach him at his email, john at kasmancapital.com. Thank you, John, for coming on. And until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Thank you. If you love this content, please leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. As a reminder, any investment opportunities mentioned on this show are for accredited investors only. I'm ready to have that conversation with you. It's pretty easy to set up. There's a link to my online calendar available for you in the show notes. Scroll down now and pick a time on there that works best for both of us. Until next time, think outside the box.